Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam for another episode of the Horror Express, and tonight we're talking about Jacob's Ladder. This is a 1990 film. Uh, it's a little odd. It's about a guy who's suffering Vietnam flashbacks, or at least that's what it seems, and suffering PTSD, possibly some kind of mental illness that's causing him to hallucinate demons and various other kinds of things, and then... In the end, we learned there's a lot more to what's going on with him. Um, it's sort of a psychological horror film. Uh, it stars uh, Tim Robbins, and I, I uh, well, I won't get into how I feel about it till I get your guys's reaction to it. But uh, I think everybody basically knows the plot. It's a well-known movie. It's a little bit like films like Serpent in the Rainbow. Um, so, guys, what, uh, was this your first time seeing it? I'm assuming it wasn't. Uh, and what do you guys think about the movie? Oh, this is, I actually love this movie. Um, I, I have a few very significant issues with it, but I've actually, it's one of the few I actually own. Uh, I don't own it. I, I own some movies that I love. It's not a huge library, but it's like about 40, 50 movies that I truly love. Uh, I actually own, and this is one of them. So I've seen it several times. Um, and I like it a lot because it inspired a lot of the, uh, the art direction of Silent Hill, which is one of my favorite horror franchises. And it's very revolutionary in a lot of ways in terms of like the kind of horror that it is. And I really like Tim Robbins. I Jason Alexander's in it, and there's just a lot to love. It's it's a I I really really like this movie. Again, with a few caveats and reservations, which we'll get to. I made a note about that. Uh, Adam, how about you? Yeah, this movie I really like a lot too. Oddly, I don't think I've seen this movie since I saw it in the theater when it first came out. I, I really liked it a lot, but I've just never watched it again since then and it was i was very fresh in my mind though as uh, as i was watching it I, I pretty much remembered the entire movie but uh it's it's good i mean one thing i like it's it's a fairly once once you kind of unpack everything it is kind of a somewhat conventional story but it's done so well that it everything about it is perfect I, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think this is a, this is a really solid movie. So what do you think about it, Brendan? I mean, I, 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 I love the movie. I think it's a great film. Um, I saw it probably a couple of years after it came out on video. Like I, again, it was working mm-hmm. at a video store and that's where I would have seen it. And this was one of the few movies to legitimately scare me. Like it really oh, yeah. got mm-hmm. under my skin in a big way. And it even like reverberated, like it became like that whole scene where he, asks if he's dead you know what i mean that became like an ongoing fear that i had in my own life just because it planted the seed (laughs) and so uh i I don't know i think it's very effective horror i think it also gets into like you can read this movie in a bunch of different ways which i think is kind of cool um Mm -hmm. you know there isn't there isn't like one definitive reading of it and 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 how you read it says a lot about you do you know what i mean it's kind of like it's kind of got that uh, it's a shock test. Yeah, yeah. This is a, I mean, you could very like. It, it's just your 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 beliefs, your your assumptions, and your personality all kind of come uh, to the surface when you when you when you assess this movie and try to say what it's about. Um, mm-hmm. So so yeah. So Joel, why don't why don't we talk about your significant issues? Because those are you mentioned those, and I, I don't want to forget about them. Yeah, no, I, and you actually, you linked me to uh, the, the, the Siskel and Ebert review of this one back when Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert were both alive. Remember yeah. those days? Um, and they both, like, they kind of came down in that way, where, like, 
uh, Roger Ebert loved this movie he, in its entirety. He thought it was a masterpiece. And Gene Siskel was like, I loved it, but I was frustrated by it because <laughs> it kind of undermines itself. <laughs> and I'm in the Gene Siskel school here. <laughs> um, I feel like I want the ambiguity you're talking about for this movie. I want it to be a real pure Rorschach test <laughs> and to have a vagary to it that forces you as an audience to reflect on what you've just seen and interpret it. And this is not the first time I've seen this movie yeah. and I'm consistently let down by how definitive the ending is. I don't want to really spoil yeah. it yet. I think if people are this well, far into it, we, we have we'll, to spoil we'll it. Yeah. Spoil let's spoil it. Let, let's spoil it. Spoil it now. He's okay, dead. So He's spoiler dead. Warning. He's dead. You, you let me get the warning out first. Oh. God, man. <laughs> Breaking all the internet etiquette so, rules. Well, thirty-five-year-old movie. So, anyway, so I watched this with my girlfriend, and she mm. actually only did it for the first time, and she actually had that exact analysis too. Um, and she really did a great job of like characterizing that that issue I had with it, which is like, I really, I feel like it wants to spell out exactly what its message is. It even has like a, a little pre-credits thing where it's like, oh, and this bad thing happened, and it's like that kind of like blatant moralizing at the end of this wonderful dark ambiguous mm. psychedelic trip of a movie like completely undercut almost the whole experience for me this is the point where i want it to end where he's going up the staircase of this kid i want it to be a smash cut to the credits i don't want any more things to explain to me that's the ending in the movie everything after that is just demeaning what else I've seen in it because it's basically a masterpiece. I've never, I've never, I, I've never liked that, that that the text at the end of the movie. It just, I mean, I don't. I, it's not even. It just doesn't feel right. It's just like you say. It, it shouldn't have a little. Oh, where they talk about the 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 experimental drugs and stuff. Yeah, it's just. I I wonder about that too. I feel. I think well. I, again, it depends on how you're reading it. So, so just to be clear, when I was saying that it's a, a Rorschach text, what I, what I was saying is, obviously, um, he's dead. You can't interpret it as him not being dead, right? But which is frustrating. Uh, yeah. yeah. But you can interpret it in multiple different ways in terms of what's actually going on during the whole sequence of him being, you know, living this life in New York, and whether whether he's in purgatory or hell or whether he's having some kind of near death experience and it's all purely psychological, you know, there's, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, you can kind of come down on either side on, on, on that front. Um, uh-huh. I, I, I like that they end definitively with him dying because it takes any hope away at the end. Do you know what I mean? That's the part that, and and that's and and it's frustrating. I agree with that. I I agree with Gene Siskel that that aspect of it is frustrating, and I remember being frustrated by it the very first time I saw it. But I also realized the reason it frustrated me was because like most movies give you some shred of hope, and that ambiguity, if it if it had stayed ambiguous, you would have been able to have the hope that he's alive, or that there's some you know there's some happy. I- you know I what don't I mean? need the hope that he's alive, man. I, well, I'm an absurdist. I don't need that shit. I'm cool with him being dead, but like, I want enough ambiguity that I can interpret the way in which he is like going through what he's going through. Like they they give him a happy death at the end. Like that's that's too hopeful for me. I don't want hope. I want the nihilism. It's a horror movie. Okay, I well, see that's the you're... thing. Yeah, because the ambiguity lies in: is that real? Is that just a happy hallucination that he was yeah. circling the drain, or? You know, 
Yeah, because yeah, was he actually having that experience? Because if did he's he in get catharsis, or he, did did it just blank out into nothingness as soon as he ascended the staircase? We that, shouldn't know. Well, and we don't know. We don't know. That's the thing. We we you know, like if you read it as purgatory, then it is the happy ending because that's sort of you know he, he presumably he's Jacob's ladder is the ladder to heaven, right? And that staircase at the end is Jacob's ladder, you know. Uh, but if you read it as a near death experience, then you know, you know, he has all. It's pretty uncomfortably it's, near after yeah. the. No, but what I'm really saying a is, experience. This is just a death experience. No, but you know, death experience. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But if if it's just all chemicals going off in his head and setting off memories and him sort of psychologically coming to terms with his non-existence, then it's not as optimistic. Well, at least it's not a you know you're going to heaven now ending like you know is implied by the staircase. So you, I think you can read it in in both directions. Um, See, I mean, this, this is where you and I differ philosophically. You think it's grim if he gets pure catharsis and then nothingness. Like you, th- you see that as a dark night. Oh yeah, I, th- I think that's I, very dark. Yeah, right. And I, I can see we've been friends yeah. long enough that I understand why you feel that way. For me, I've made comfort with the fact that that is as close to heaven as I'm getting. <laughs> Just one well, moment of sheer bliss, then utter oblivion for all eternity. So for me, good. like that's the happy ending. So I guess th- we differ there. Well, well, I, I will say yeah, this: I shared yeah. your mentality for many, many years, but I always was uncomfortable with the idea of non-existence. Do you know what I mean? I think, yeah. And I'm very skeptical. I'm, I'm very, I'm very, cool dude, so. I, I'm very skeptical. No, but I'm very skeptical anytime people assert that they are comfortable with it because I think. It I, is, I mean, you, you, as someone that's kind of made peace with it, I wouldn't say I'm comfortable with it. It's just I have resigned myself. But the, okay, but that's a to, but to that that's that I'm totally cool with because that's a very pessimistic yeah. assertion well, that you're making. You know, that, I, I'm with, it well, it's a fatal <laughs> fatalistic. There's there's a fatality to it. Fatalistic there, yeah, is yeah. a better term for yeah. it. I agree. Well, I, and the thing is, like being resigned to it and being like psychologically not catastrophized by it like you you can go through your daily life kind of accepting the inevitability of oblivion yeah. and like not having that destroy you psychologically i'd never call that situation comfort uh but i would say <laughs> yeah but i would say i take i feel no fear for the state okay. of not being capable of feeling fear or indeed anything okay. yeah. but if that's the case joel then what would have made it a grim ending for you like if if non-existence I mean, the, the only other alternative i could think of is he goes to hell and he suffers eternal <laughs> like those that's that's the that's the only one that would be grim enough for you i think right well, I, I suppose. I mean, because he didn't have to die happy. He well, didn't have to have serenity. Like, he, he could have, like, fought and rejected it and then just died miserable with his brain tearing itself apart in his last moments of cognizance. That would have been horrible. Okay. Well, what what if what what about the other characters? Who maybe because because the thing is, we don't really know what's going on. We don't know if this is going on all in his own like like just in terms of what the filmmaker's cosmology is here. Like, is this all going on in his head, or is this all going on in like a literal purgatory where his soul is you know undergoing the process that Louis is talking about? Well, um, I don't see that there's a meaningful difference between those two things from Jacob's perspective. Like, if it is actually happening in a parallel reality that is, like, this real biblical purgatory versus if it's just the chemicals in his head making a perfect simulacrum of that, that's identical, experientially speaking. So well, I the, stake, the stakes are different. The stakes are different would be, I think, the, the biggest difference. You know? In a kind of Pascal's wager sense, well, because sure, if it's, but from a storytelling sense. Well, if it's all going on in his head, right, then... 
he's got to die no matter what. You know, this is this this trip is going to end, and you know, but if it's not going on in his head, he could be stuck in purgatory you know, I, for quite some time. You know what I mean? I really, I literally just finished Albert Camus' The Stranger for the first time right before I watched okay. this. I am so prepared for this fucking conversation. <laughs> you have to understand that you know it's not whether you know what, you know what's funny over the hill. Did, did you now? Did you read that? Because we were watching the movie, or did it just no, coincide? No, I just okay. like Albert Camus. Because okay. I, I, I uh, the stranger I, in the plague, and then I was like, "Oh, he he read a philosophy. He made a philosophy book. I'll read uh, that." Thin. It took me almost a year to finish. <laughs> it's it's not thin. It's heavy. The th- thing is like made out of that matter they make black holes out of. It's like super dense. Yeah, that's uh, don't go into it thinking it's going to be an easy time, folks. Anyway, continue. So, well, I forget what I was saying. Oh, just the stakes are different. That's the, that's the, the major thing. I think. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um, and, and also the reality of it, I guess, is different. If it's, if it's, if he's literally in purgatory, those things are kind of really happening. If it's in his head, then it's, you know, they're figments of his imagination. I'd say that's a, a, a somewhat of a difference too. Um, but oh, I think. Oh shit, the stranger shows up in this show. I forgot about that. Yeah. He's reading yeah. it on the subway. Yeah, he, it, show, it shows oh up twice. God. He's reading it, and then when he's freaking out in his room, it's in his yeah, drawer. Yeah, he's going through all the... Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm super sleep-deprived. Yeah. I also think I referred to Myth of Sisyphus as the stranger. And, and, he's, and he's a philosophy professor, too, you know? So, you know... <laughs> oh, oh, God. It's, uh, it's all coming together, folks. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so I mean, you know, the, the stakes would be different. Um, but... But yeah, I don't. Know. I I I guess I I I find the uh um, but I but I find I find the fact that you don't know what what it is, which one, to be the un kind of the thing that makes me uneasy about the movie, like in, in a good way, like the the fact that I I, you know, <laughs> I you know maybe <laughs> that, I wanted to be one of the. What was that? That is a good unease. I will I will grant you that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's similar to Pan's Labyrinth in that way. I've I've like never been able to finish Pan's Labyrinth for some reason. Oh, okay. I mean, not because it's bad. It. I just always I always put it on late at night and fall asleep and never get past like the first twenty minutes. So Ooh, yeah, I wanna, I on the list of movies that I want to fall asleep to, <laughs> it, Ooh, it's like falling asleep in the middle of reading a love. My stamp my, st- my stamina questions. for for those really rich movies like that is just diminished so much over the years you know it's like trying to power your way through a whole cheesecake it's like this is so good (laughs) i can eat maybe this little slice you want me to eat the whole cake now in one sitting oh man oh no this ain't gonna happen folks i'm not the man i used to be i'm much thinner (laughs) so i guess where where do you guys fall what do you think this is just something going on in this head or do you think that we're meant Uh... it it meant it meant this for this to be purgatory like just from purely from what they were intending or what seems to be the most likely case based on what happens in the film not you know i I, yeah i like the scrap of ambiguity we do have there i'll i'll Mm -hmm. take that although i feel frustrated probably just to scramble for table scraps of ambiguity in a movie that should be very ambiguous yeah continue adam oh i just uh yeah, I mean, my overall interpretation is just really, oh, this is meant to be ambiguous. I mean, okay. that was my literal the first time I saw it. <laughs> so it wasn't, <laughs> I, I don't have a strong mindset. The thing that's interesting about this specific movie, you know, and there's a lot of movies where, oh, he was dead the whole time, a lot of that thing. But the, the interesting thing with this is that 
he has this whole life after the war, you know, which is just purely hallucinated. So we've yeah. got, you know, whatever the truth of it is, there's this whole hallucinatory post-war life that, uh, I don't know. I just I just find that interesting element to uh, to add to the story. But it's uh... well, um, no, and I I, I and I and I I, te- I I tend to go back and forth on what I think. I think increasingly uh-huh. I do see it more as purgatory. Like I, I am more persuaded that that's what the intention is, just based on yeah. Because um, because I I feel like one of the cool things about this movie is depending on where you think the present is in the film that really shapes what you think is going on. Do you know what I mean? If the present is him in Vietnam and you're looking at the movie as those moments being the present, then that's a very different film than if you're looking at the subway station, you know, you know know what I mean? Like what is the flashback? Yeah. There's all these scenes that take place in the future after he supposedly died, which is a really strange thing. And you have multiple timelines. yeah, and so but, it's, it's almost like it's almost like whatever this drug is to get really Philip K. Dick with the whole thing. It's like it does have the effect of letting you see these other lives you would have had if you hadn't yeah. died at that moment. At the same time, he's having this whole purgatory experience. There's these multiple things going yeah. on that uh, that's now, just my crazy interpretation. The, the, no, I think that's a reasonably strong interpretation, I think. Like, and it, and that's kind of basically my interpretation, too. Like, I, I see the Vietnam as the now because the movie very definitively ends in Vietnam yep. and begins yeah. there. Like, it bookends it, so that's kind of meant to be our entry and exit to the movie. So I, I consider yeah. that the true reality for what that's worth. And uh, I think that's a very I, fair reading, by the way. I think that's a very right, fair reading. I think he's dying. And if you think of him as dying and like heavily dosed with this terrifying drug, I think what he's mm-hmm. seeing are hallucinations. But I think it is having the actual effect of purgatory too he's dying and you go through a sort of purgatory and so there's this dual meaning to the movie it, it is both because the symbolism is too heavy-handed like his chiropractor has this angelic lighting yeah. and he's always there well, to like bring him to peace and his, his son is there he keeps showing up and what i like about the movie a lot and i think this is beautiful is that it it takes the son and anytime he actually feels like he wants to hold on to the mortal life he still has, it kind of makes the son an object of terror. It makes him kind of horrifying. And we actually get a clarification for that in the movie. The chiropractor is saying that, like, if you see them as angels, it's because you made your peace. And if you see them as demons tearing your life away, it's because you're holding on to your mortal attachments. So we know why there's that kind of dual symbolism there. I love that. Well, um, It's neat. Uh, and the Louis character is interesting because I think, like, he, like you said, there's like a lot of symbolism and, you know, his the character's name is Jacob and the biblical character Jacob had, uh, uh, there's, a, he, he, I forget, somewhere in Genesis he has, he, he wrestles with either an angel or God. It's It's a little unclear what this figure is, but definitely I think that you can make a connection between that character and Louis because the angel basically dislocates Jacob's hip, if I remember in the Bible. And it's just interesting, you know, it's interesting that Louis is like his chiropractor, right? He's setting, he's basically <laughs> aligning his spine. Well, it's just, that yeah. he, you know, you know what I mean? So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, uh, I, I, I feel like it's, it's the, the, the film does a really good job of further masking everything by throwing in all of these elements that, 
that make it harder to decipher on purpose. Like the fact that he's a philosophy professor means I would expect that he would have really good command of Christian symbolism. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that so that if he is having this hallucination, it would be very tightly woven and be able to resemble like a real purgatory in a way that is complete. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And the fact that you That's have actually a brilliant interpretation. And the fact that he has the that the, the the ladder, the drug that they've been that they introduced is the which which on the one hand, to me looks like they're using it as a red herring because we're so accustomed in 1990 to Vietnam plots involving the government doing so. You know what I mean? Like the, like that was like yeah. the, you know what I mean? So, like, so much of this movie is made out of like really trite stuff yeah. at the time. Everything is just done really yeah. well. So it's, mm. it is, it is a surprising this movie is as good as it is. And the thing is, because they introduced that element, it also justifies so many things going on as a byproduct mm-hmm. of the drug itself. So it's, you know, it, it, it does a really good job of creating confusion, but I still feel like as a viewer, you're still supposed to try to sift your way through that. And like, I, well, not that I feel like it's hard not to like you're watching you, you, you know what I mean? Like every time I watch it, yeah. I'm looking, you're looking for more information and more, evidence of what direction the movie is oh, going yeah. in this respect well and there's i i first got into this movie after i was playing silent hill 2 and i heard one of the creators talking about how influential it was right and so there's that famous yeah. scene where he's getting pushed through the hospital and it's just getting ho- more and more horrifying yeah. and i saw that as a clip on youtube and i was like i have to see this entire film this is mind-blowingly horrifying and it did yeah. not disappoint it, that's that is probably the most intense scene in the movie, but almost yeah. all of the ones leading up to it make that such an incredible crescendo of psychological terror. And it's unlike any other horror. Like, it's so unique and it's so mind-blowing. I loved it. But you're right. It, it, that's like the hook. But, like, you, it rewards re-watching so much. Because you do. You think of a new interpretation. You think of... Um, you see something new that you didn't see before, and it, it kind of reveals this new facet of this beautiful, complicated, weird movie. It's a fantastic film. There's a reason I own it. It's it's really, I, for, it's weird to say for a horror movie, but there's something just very, we'll go back to the word comfortable, I guess, about watching this movie. It's very grounded, like mm-hmm. the for, for being a kind of a movie, all these supernatural weirdness or hallucinatory weirdness, it's very the solid. A lot of it just, you got a lot, of, a lot of these relationship scenes and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and uh, they're so, they're so perfectly grounded in reality. And so yeah. when it diverges from that as violently and, and, and spectacularly as it does, it's really a great, it's a real shock. You want that to be real. Person. You want their relationship to be real. And so yeah, it's also, yeah. that's, yeah. yeah, it makes you care. You actually yeah. do. I mean, the acting in this movie is really good too. And that's so, part of what makes it so watchable. I just, yeah, this yeah, cast every performance in it's great. Yeah. Though, though yeah. with the Jezebel character, they do a really good job of making it like a real relationship, but also, <laughs> giving it threads of like this sinister thing going on with her. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, that, and, I, even if you take out the eyes it. scene, even if you take out the scene where her yeah. eyes turn black, um, just, just her personality, not even in terms of like the stuff going on at the, 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 the party and all that, like the, the, she, she they're, they're like, when he's <laughs> talking about his son and, you know, her reaction is just not what it, like, 
it, it, it's just the wrong reaction. Do you know, just slightly it is a off. weird reaction yeah. in an interesting way? And then you have her like throwing all of those into the furnace and this like really kind of strangely callous act. Yeah. But you understand what, what I love about that is that it's still like an understandably human thing. It's almost like a Faulkner character yeah. where they're doing something that you're like, that's horrible, but okay. Yeah. That's, I could see that actually really a real person I, I, doing that. Yeah. yeah. I could I could see a person doing that definitely, but but it's interesting too. But it also if you have the demonic eyes thing, plus she's trying to destroy yeah. his past, it also <laughs> feeds into that. So it could be yep. read as a very natural human thing to do, or she's a demon and now yeah. she's doing that as part of her role to free him from his past. So yep, I don't know. I, and that's the thing. There, there's a sincere like love that he has there. And like, mm -hmm. if that future never happened, then this is someone he either just worked with in a mail room and had yeah. a fantasy about, or something like that. And like, he even has that yeah. like weird flashback where he's in the tub surrounded by ice. Which, by the way, that's its own yeah. kind of hell. I can feel that scene. Yeah. It makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Yeah. And he has that flashback to his wife, and he's talking about how, you know. He had a dream that he was dating her, and it's just another another wonderful weird layer of well, this movie. And that makes you wonder: wait, was that a flashback, or is that now like another, you know, like another step in this weird <laughs> journey he's going on? Because yeah, you know, exactly. and, yeah, where and, is that in the timeline? Yeah. Does it exist? Did it never exist? That's I mean, well, because it would it shapes it. It's it's <laughs> meaningful because if 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 he had that fantasy before he went to Vietnam. Then it's just kind of I don't know. It really changes uh, the nature of the relationship that they're presenting. Do you know what I mean? It, it mm -hmm. uh, um, but but also it it me it messes with the timeline because he had the dream. Do you know what I mean? So, dream of the thing. Yeah, yeah. It was like a shocking experience in that moment for him where he was burning in ice. But but what I mean I, is yeah. it's like the the timeline then like is really hard to chart. Do you know what I mean? He's even shown. That's another thing. They actually show the part of Dante's Inferno. And I know this because I have this exact copy of Dante's Inferno. I, God, how many other literary references can I drop to make myself myself sound like a complete douchebag this time? Have I done Hemingway yet? Okay. Anyway, also I'll drop Hemingway later. But we're going to Dante. He, they have the exact part in the Inferno. We're on the lowest layer of hell. And they find the devil who is the most confused being. And the lowest layer of hell is literally frozen over. Yeah. And he goes to that layer of hell. He's literally the most confused and addled. And they dump ice on him. God, what a movie. But, uh... Yeah. But yeah, the last scene with Jezebel, I like that too, because it's very clear, even though they are they both know it's the last time they're going to see each other too in that scene. It's yeah. just that real, real feeling to it. And it's like you say, it's very ambiguous because is she a sinister figure or there, either whether she is or not, there just seems to be some connection between them that's genuine. Well, I think the Meister, the Meister Eckhart thing is kind of the the core of the interpretation of that where it even applies to the ladder itself right because the ladder the drug when the guy describes it i think doesn't he say it goes straight down to the pit of like your prime like like he yeah it, yeah he's describing like a descent into hell into like the psyche right uh but yeah. jacob's ladder becomes the ladder to heaven right so it's like a I, I think they're trying to do this duality with the angels and the demons and with the ladder and everything so Everything's got a dual meaning in this movie. It's yeah. fantastic, and I think I think you can interpret her as not li like like Louis is saying, 
you know, mm-hmm. but but then again, it depends on what Louis is. Sorry about that. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, because yeah. Louis could Basically, be a demon trying to, yeah. You know? <laughs> because well, the Louis thing is, shown, Louis well, are shown as demonic. I don't think. No, he's not. But but that's the whole point of the devil, right? The devil would never present himself in a. He, he 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 convinces you that he's the good, right? That's the whole point of being the devil. So like, and Louis is he invokes uh, Meister Eckhart, who is charged with heresy, right? So these are heretical ideas. That, now, granted, being charged with heresy in the Middle Ages doesn't exactly make you well, wrong, yeah. right? But <laughs> but it still could theoretically be a devilish ploy to you know misguide him. I mean, I think by the end of the movie, that doesn't pan out. But it's still an interesting possibility to think about that, you know. Well, and you have to you have to understand you are really with Jacob in this journey. And you're just yeah. as lost and confused and terrified as him. So yeah. at the point in we, we, which we get that in the movie, that ambiguity is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And to add to the ambiguity, it's like, you know, Louis' message is, oh, well, you have to let go of all your affection and everything for everything on Earth. And... That isn't a universal idea. It's like yeah. in some spiritual paths, that is good. In other ones, no, no, that's not good at all. So that's another ambiguity within the movie to an extent. Well, my my understanding is the writer was inspired by the Tibetan Book of the Dead as well. So there's like, oh, okay. uh, you know, um, but yeah, so, I, so you know, I, I don't know. But I guess the other question is too, is Louis an angel? Is he God maybe? Like, because you could see him being God as well. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, but I think, I think the most common interpretation is he's Jacob's guardian angel, basically. Um, yeah. I would like to point that's out the that, feeling I, I yeah. got. Wait, and, and the scene in which, uh, Jacob is stuck in the hospital, unable to save himself <laughs> very, in a very Christ-like fashion. Louis comes in and just wrecks house and pulls him out of yeah. there. So. <laughs> and I think he and even I, says, I, what is this? The middle ages? Doesn't he say something yeah, like that? He <laughs> yeah. Does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I'd like to point out that is Christ-like. Uh, Christ completely wrecked yeah. house, and the moneylenders went to the church. So yeah, Christ is not above beating you with a whip. No, no, well, well, no, no, no. Let's be clear. Christ is above beating you with a whip. He, but he will turn over a table in anger. That's the um... <laughs> flip the table. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I thought I thought that was um. I thought that was an interesting scene because also that scene makes it feel like it's really happening too. That's sort of one of those scenes where it's like, Oh, this feels like a real yeah. thing going on now. It doesn't feel like maybe this isn't all hallucination. Maybe this isn't all a dream. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, and I, and I think back to Adam's point, I think one of the things that the movie does do well is it draws on so many different like genre conventions to, to disorient you. So it's like, oh, we're we're in like an X Files film now, or oh no 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 no, we're in this kind of a movie now, you know. So it's like, it it uh, uh it, I don't know. It, you you it's, it's like you were saying, Joe. You just feel as disoriented as the main character, um, yeah. which I don't think is easy to do. You know, I mean, there have been a no, lot of. Oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. There's such a mastery of that in this movie where it's able to make you to bring you into it. And there's yeah. a couple of films that have done it for me. Uh, the Turtles, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was really, really close mm-hmm. to that. It wasn't perfect. It didn't landing perfectly, but it was close. Yeah. And um, the one that always comes to me is uh, uh, Requiem for a Dream is another one that like it slams you into the reality of the movie. <laughs> I've only seen it once and I'm, I'm not going back, but I appreciate that one viewing. 
Yeah, uh, I, I made the mistake of uh, I missed that when it was in the theater. Then it came out on DVD and I was like, ooh, I'll just buy it. It's on sale. And then I like yep. watched it. And I'm like, wow, I own this and I never want to watch it again. That's... And the thing is, you love it and you never want to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Brilliant. Absolutely ingenious. Yeah, I was already uh, a fan of Pi, so I mm -hmm. I was like ready for that. Did, did you notice they used the Snorri cam in it too? Remember the yeah, Snorri cam in Pi? Whoa, whoa. Yeah. I, I love that yeah. he kept that. That's so happy. It makes me so happy. Like, we're going off on a tangent here. That's okay. Oh, yeah. Well, one thing I want to talk about is like the horror techniques they use in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, legit, it's genuinely scary. And oh, yes. I think, yeah. I think it comes down to a lot of the other things. Like it, it a lot of the reasons why the movie is good for the same reason, which is I think it, it takes these familiar things, these everyday things that you, that even in your own life, like irritate you or aren't right, but you don't ever really comment or think about it as much and, and uses them as like a source of horror. So the whole idea of like the subway, you know what I mean? Like anybody who's had a commute to work knows how soul crushing a subway ride can be and how, 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 yeah. Just how like unnerving it can sometimes like the things that can go on. Well, you... Going 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 home late, like you know, when I could I'd work at Borders. I would yeah. work till eleven p.m. a lot of nights, and just what you're just bleary. There's this weird bleariness to being under those fluorescent lights in the subway. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, yeah. It just does. It's not even like a matter of being scary or anything. It just feels unearthly a lot of the time. That's night. a really good way to describe it. Yeah. Something about fluorescence and all the, the machines doing all this work regardless yeah. of yeah. an element. There's something yeah. just otherworldly about it. Uncanny. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. and, and like the woman on the train, like that obviously was surreal, but I could imagine that really happening too on a trip. You know what I mean? Like you, you meet, you bump <laughs> yeah. into odd people taking the subway uh -huh. even even like the conversation like after he because he sees the little glimpse of a tail and so he said you know yeah. he thinks that he's being chased by demons and she's like what you just mean like you know all the riffraff on the set like you know it's, it's perfectly explainable you know it's just a little bit off the it, it, it it's not it, it doesn't it, it's it's all just enough to be explained as him being a little bit paranoid or you know, well, or or being under the influence of the drug because yeah. he also has other people that are having the same hallucinations. Yep. The movie is able yep. to appeal to that reality of it no. being hallucinatory. That's wonderful. That's another part I wanted to question: Are the people in this world real? Like, are, are yeah, those guys I, also there, or well, or, or not? Yeah. You know, I, I had an, I was think, I was wondering about that watching it this time. I went. One interesting thought that came to me too is like the guy who who created the drug, who's there, who kind of kind of gives him advice. He's kind yeah. of there to he's like a helpful figure. Oh, he saved his like, life a few times. Yeah, I say, is he also dead? But he's like yes. hanging around, yeah. guiding the other souls through out of guilt. It's like his duty to get all these people where they need he, to go. Well, because he so kind of that that struck me. I had the same thought, and I was thinking in terms of the sixth sense. Like he reminded me of the Bruce Willis character, yeah. you know, or yeah, he still yeah, seems to be omnipresent. Yeah, especially yeah. when he's in danger. Um, I would note, I'd like to point out, he saves Jacob and does not save Jacob's friend when he explodes in a car. Um, well, that so could that's, also that's be because that could be because the friend is not, the friend is a hallucination he's yeah. having or, in his or, experience. 
Or, or, the, like, the, or, or maybe the friend maybe the friend got sent to hell or something. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe maybe yeah. they were like in limbo or something. You know what I mean? Like Maybe he couldn't be saved. Well, and that's something that's so weird about that scene. Jacob is going to his car to die with him. Is distracted by like a dollar on the ground, like an earthly thing. He goes over to it and it very deliberately vanishes, like it was yeah. never there. Like it doesn't blow away in a wind; it's just gone. Well, right. I, well, let's eye. talk about that because I, I I have interpreted that as the quarter moves because of the suction from the explosion that's about to happen. It's before that... the explosion explode happens. Well, like, yeah, but I feel like there's enough wiggle room with like cinematic explosions that you know that this <laughs> is like the vat this is the vacuum before the boom or something do you know what i mean like you know uh, is that quarter heads up i didn't notice on the steering but i bet it is it's a lucky i quarter. i don't remember we should that that would definitely be something we should have all been paying attention to though but uh but yeah but that is interesting he does get distracted by an earthly thing so that would maybe suggest that guy I don't know, in a weird way, maybe came to... But he didn't seem to be coming to peace with anything, that guy. So. He did, though. Like, yeah. when he looks back at Jacob, he he knows he's doomed. Like, he turns the key, okay. he looks at Jacob, and he looks serene. Okay, that's fair. And he's gone. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, the going to hell things, I mean, we don't know what these people's backgrounds are with these other characters or yeah. anything. So, it is that that could be an well, interpretation. And, and, and we don't really know, like, if this is an afterlife, we don't really know what the rules are, what, because they're, they're yeah. not, it's not like, it clearly has its own principles that it hasn't really explained clearly. And so, uh, yeah, remember, remember that Hellraiser review where you were like, sometimes the universe doesn't explain itself. Sometimes the actual <laughs> list of, of divine commandments is don't touch the goddamn box. Yeah. We never yeah. made sure it's out yeah. of that, but that's a really good uh, metric to apply to this movie's universe. Yeah. Well, yeah. the only thing is I, what, what, what bugs me is whenever I watch this movie, I feel like whoever wrote it did have principles in mind do you know what I, mean? I, I feel like there is i feel like the guy that wrote the screenplay knows exactly what the answer is oh, to yeah. what's going no, on there do are what I mean? answers we just don't get clued in on them and yeah. i love that i i feel like it's like when david chase did the final sopranos episode and it was like you know he knew mm -hmm. what happened but he just didn't want to verbalize it do you know what i mean uh <laughs> so oh no it's tails yeah, so it's... i found a picture of it, it was tails time. yeah Ooh. It's an unlucky coin. Well, is tails automatically bad? Because it's kind of like you call heads or tails, right? Well, the, the lucky ones are heads up. It's interesting that they chose the opposite of that. And also, she's... Yeah, that's... Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so, so... As far as people that are real or, or not... So, Jezebel, we kind of already touched on this. I, I'm guessing she's not real because I think... You know, Kashi has kind of this this role that she's she's playing within this uh, uh, this purgatory, and also the fact that she isn't someone he really knew makes me feel like. Well, I mean, I think you kind of brought this up, Brandon. It could have just been someone he was attracted to yeah. that when they had to kind of create this figure to lure him in. <laughs> that yeah, uh, but then she know, is. It went, it went with that memory. But she, but she could be a demon. Like she, I mean, she, I mean, her name is Jezebel. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. She could be like a demon who's who's. Chrissy yeah. did have this memory of this well, woman who worked at the post office and he found attractive. They kind of sprung yeah. this whole reality out from that. Like if it is the if it is like really a purgatory or a hell, she could literally be like Princess Je Jezebel. You know, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to like 
you know, you know, lure men yeah. off so of the I path. Qualify, when I say real, are they really a person? Is, is what oh, I, I see what you said. Like, is it like okay? Like, presumably, if if that dream sequence, if that sequence where he woke up in the middle of the night and said he had a dream mm-hmm. about Jezebel was real, then there really was a human named Jezebel that worked in the mailroom, right? And so the question is, mm-hmm. is the person in the movie that he's dealing with that lady or is it another? Yes. Yeah. That, or, is it, or is it a demon assuming her form yeah. to... Or, uh, or did the demon go to the mailroom to tempt him in advance? <laughs> yeah. Or was the memory of her working in the mailroom a false yeah. memory implanted in his brain to add yeah. plausibility to this reality? Yeah. I gotta say, so. she did a really good job. By the way, that actress, I think his name yeah, was, was her name mm-hmm. Elizabeth Pina. Uh, she she was like remarkable yeah. in that role, and I feel like the yeah. movie really hinges on those two characters having chemistry mm-hmm. and working. Yeah, um, I'd say the wife. The wife, I could see the wife being purely a memory and hallucinatory because yeah. she she's just. I mean, I'm not. She's not like she doesn't matter in the movie or that she's irrelevant, but she just doesn't. Yeah, she's well, not she's, doing she feels ephemeral. She feels more ephemeral than Jezebel yeah. does. I no, yeah. not in the scene yeah. where he wakes up though. Here's my thing: having having okay. lived a domestic life, I think that's an actual memory or something that's very close to a memory. But I think yeah, that the movie saying. positions think, her in the past. Memory. Yeah, yeah. I, the movie positions yeah. her in the past, and that's important because in the yeah. scene where he actually talks about going back to her and having a future from that point. There's this disembodied voice that's like, no. Yeah, dream like, on, it's like, dream on. It's, yeah, dream on. It's like really forward in the uh, audio too. That's extremely unsettling and it never yeah. happens before or after that. And you're life. wondering who yeah. the hell's voice is that? Because that, he looks over, yeah. startled, sees it, it something comes, or nothing yeah. and then cries. Yeah. And you're like, What? It's upsetting. I love that scene. And I still yeah, – was anybody back. able to figure out whose voice that was? Like was it another characters in the movie or – It's me. I don't think it was credited. But yeah, and I mean it's – on the one hand, it's this evil-sounding voice. On the other hand, it's like, no, this isn't real. You're, yeah. You're living, yeah. You're living in a fake reality. Wake up. And also, you have to let uh, this go. It's not happening. <laughs> when I said yeah. she was more ephemeral, that's the scene I was thinking of—the scene where he's recovering yeah. from the back injury. That is a little ephemeral. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it just seems like she really like—I don't know—just something about the scene feel. I mean, obviously the voice, but something else about it just seems off in a way that you know. Well, it's kind of disjointed in the movie. Like she found the hospital he was at, came to it, and then just left him there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His chiropractor saves him. What the fuck? And 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 apparently, uh, Jezebel called every hospital in the city, and what well, you know, yeah, couldn't find him. So, and so, so yeah, it's it's really strange. And and uh, but yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know. Wheeled in there, and they're all like, "Where's your ID?" And he's like, "My wallet was stolen by who?" Santa. Santa that Santa scene. <laughs> It is per you know because there's only there's there's only so much room for humor in a film like this. They really have to be careful. They can't just throw the jokes in left and right. And any jokes that are in there have to they they have to be dark, like the scene where he's flirting with the palmistry woman, right? But that Santa scene, the guy I I don't know what it is about the guy playing Santa, but it was just perfectly done. I thought the uh, the 
uh, uh-huh. you know, you poor, poor man. And, that's the same. Yeah. I'm willing to bet in in movie verse. That's the same Santa that kicked Ralphie down the slide. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's like where he wound up. That guy is like always devil Santa. He, he's always the morally ambiguous Santa. <laughs> the... Yeah. Willing Santa to go where other Santas dreams. won't go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is now is is bad Santa also part of that t- guy's timeline or is it? It's like he's like the Doctor Who of Santas, right? Like he just keeps regenerating into different Santas, and he becomes Krampus, <laughs> the, the Santa yeah. cinematic universe. That, that's yeah, that's like his um. What's the e the 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 evil version of Doctor Who? What was uh the the master? The master? No, no, no. The, the, the Doctor's evil incarnation. Oh, oh, uh, the. Uh... I can't remember. It's, it's, I'm remember. losing it. Uh, I'm not that big of a Doctor Who fan, so I actually don't know. It's oh god, yeah. the Valyard, the Valyard. It's the Krampus would be like his Valyard form. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like all of his evil takes form in like one of his generations, one of his regenerations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. So I don't know anything else about this movie. Is there anything we missed that we didn't talk about <gasps> that that we needed to? I mean, like, we really didn't even touch on the horror and just how cool the monsters are and how nasty the different places that they go to are and just how dark and miserable and just grotesque everything is. Well, um, the, the, you the, almost have to see it. The I mean, monsters are subtle. Describe it. I would say the monsters are yeah. very subtle in this movie. Um, you know, it very, it, 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 the first hint of demonic energy in the movie is that woman who's just a normal woman but she just has a look about her that is just uh, kind of off about her well she's staring mm-hmm. i i, mm-hmm. I she, she she just is really creepy and then and then the little tail and then it's you know unclean. well then the subway full of monsters like yeah the, the subway cart rattles by and there's all yeah. these ghoulish creatures staring directly at yeah. him I, I mean and like those things show up again and every time all the monsters are different and they, there's something very specifically and uniquely monstrous about them. There's some deformation of the human form. It's yeah. just recognizable enough as human that it's really stomach churning. It's and, very Dante's Inferno, for the record. And I, and I think too, it's like this. It's become really common to do that kind of makeup on 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 demons since this movie came out. But when I first saw it, I remember really being struck by the the visuals well, of the was... demons. Yeah, it's like you need to remember, remember this is a nineteen ninety movie and this is like this looks really nineties, but this this started a lot of that stuff. Yeah. It was oh, so yeah. influential. Because I mean before this I remember most of the demons being like more traditional looking demons in movies, right? Like the Well you, yeah, I mean eighties, I mean you've got those the whole kind of uh latex monster demon <laughs> thing going in the eighties, which is cool. I love that. But it's yeah, a, no, it's no, a no. very very, very different aesthetic. This is more like a tool video, or um, you know, oh, yeah, there's a lot. Like a I mean, well, there's a lot of stuff that was inspired. I mean, the the whole thing with the guy shaking the the, the convulsing the demon. guy shaking his head. Yeah, yeah that that's very tool. You know, and like Silent Hill, like you were saying. You know, I I don't play Silent Hill. I don't play video games, but I'm aware of it. And uh, you know, and just just a lot of other films started to feel like they emulated the visuals of this movie. So it. But when I say subtle, yeah. what I mean is there are glimpses of it. You don't, you don't get, you yeah. don't get like a. This is a Hellraiser yeah. where they bathe them in light or anything. Yeah. It's just no, a quick it's... flash and then you're out. 
it is it is really well done just yeah. the just the amount they let you see in this movie and that party sequence was like yeah it just the, i don't know the way that it sort of it felt like a real party until it didn't, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, and, it's the thing, like when he lifts up a little thing and the birds underneath and yeah. freaks well, him out. It just starts little small things like that. It's like, yeah, that would be freaky. Well, <laughs> and what was also so, cool is they used the sense of time because it's supposed to be what, like the mid seventies at that point, right? So yeah. they they set, yeah. so it's like you know the age of like you know swingers and things like that going on, and so a lot of the stuff that's going on at the party that's a little like sort of become the footsteps into the darkness that's going on feel like oh it's just like you know they're just you know it's like a free love thing going on or it's this well, yeah, but then it, it starts as a as a very grounded thing and then it kind of escalates that but it also yeah. escalates the reality with it because it's all practical effects yeah and so whenever people are getting like slightly deformed or like moving in a way that's a little more violently to expect you're like maybe he's just having a panic attack yeah. but then it goes and it it gives you these little flashes of just how weird this intrusive monstrous reality is god it's well, so good it, well there's like a scene where like jezebel's dancing with some guy and then like they start like basically having sex and yeah but, but, like, and, and, and you're not sure if that's something you're seeing that's this just Jake's perspective. You don't know if he's having hallucination. Yep. You don't know if what you're seeing is a heightened reality yeah. or if it's maybe even really happening. Cause it's still, it's so real to you and the way they've grounded it is so real. The way they've escalated it is real. And then and the guy so, becomes a demon, right? Like the guy or, or yeah. something, he becomes a monster of some kind. And, and yeah, then the whole thing just becomes nightmarish at that point. But then the fact that Jacob never even brings that up makes you wonder like what, you know, like, it it, it it calls into question number one whether that even happened whether it was just you know part of the hallucination or whatever but also it calls into question like the reality of what's going on i think it's like one of the first glimpses of oh this isn't a real situation because in a real situation he would have been why were you dancing with that guy in that way you know there would have been some conversation about yeah, you, know, you know what i mean he doesn't bring he doesn't even bring the realistic part of that up like you yeah. probably wouldn't say were you having sex with the demon but you might say who was that guy you were dancing yeah with? yeah you guys are really getting into it yeah that, that uh, sort of thing or, or or even were you okay if it was like you know just because it was so ambiguous exactly what was going on but i also yeah. love that she was angry at him after that for having like a panic attack and breaking down in the well, 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 well what i will say is this was 1990 and it was supposed to be taking place in the mid-70s and that definitely like felt like a normal reaction to me to for the period <laughs> like uh you know like having I, a bad trip well just like you know you're at a party and you freak out and people aren't going to react well if that's the you know uh, you know especially especially if she's because i think the thing that they try to they try to create a sense that this woman has had relationships with other guys who have gone crazy and she doesn't want that. Do you know what I mean? Which also, I felt like that was world building because I felt like, oh, maybe that's like her role. Is she's always dealing like maybe, maybe <laughs> like like as a character, she's always dealing with these guys that are just slowly going crazy and then eventually slip out of her grip because they, you know, mm -hmm. they, they 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 come to terms with the fact like, that they're dying. Like yeah, so she, that's why she's saying, like, I don't want to have another person go crazy on me or whatever. You know, like, you know, not this time. You know, it's, that, that lends such a tragic poignance to their last scene together. Yeah, well, it makes her yeah. a very interesting character because it's especially when you combine it with the with Louis's observation that they're, you know, whether they're demons or angels is all kind of a matter of your perspective on this. So, you know, she you know, and, and like you said, it kind of makes her her role in the whole thing 
if, if if that's what it is tragic it's it's sort of like oh i can i can sort of feel for this character's uh you know perpetual per, like she's perpetually in these tumultuous relationships where the person is losing his mind um yeah i kind of hope that's not what she's doomed to i, I hope she's a well, hallucination <laughs> i feel like her saying that has to have some significance do you know what i mean like that's i don't know it's it, it I feel like her character feels like she has, you know, she, she's not pure. She's got, she's got ambitions of her own in a way within this hallucinatory world in a way that a lot of the other characters don't. So yeah. I don't know. There just does feel to be something there. That yeah. I because say for certain be, well, because my sense of the, of the story is that it's not ever over overtly stated, but it seems to be implied that he stopped going to work. Right. Is that, does that seem to be a correct assumption by the, by the I, end? I think he does stop going. I think they actually explicitly say he stops. going. Well, they, he says he's going to get his back checked one day and his boss will be mad. But after that, I don't think, do they, do they ever Yeah, like, no, cause he has, goes on like a sabbatical or something. after does that. He? Like okay. there, there's, there's something a little but, more structured about him not being at work. But, uh, but yeah, his his the life within his his dying Fantasia does seem to be spiraling out of control. Like, man, yeah. get at least one of the, the layers of your life together, bro. Well, but 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 what I was going to say to support Adam's point was that she she does seem to be sticking with him, despite the fact that like if this were a real relationship in the real world it's it, it, by the end of the movie it's probably long past the point that that a regular woman would have left him do you know what i mean it's just like a mm-hmm. uh you know you know um well, so she does storm out in an earlier scene like what that, that scene where her eyes go black she storms yeah. out and then yeah. she comes back later. yeah yeah and you wonder how much of that is because real relationships are messy right yeah. and you wonder how much of that is actually something that he thinks is real about her how much of that is real and how much of that is just kind of her role in his need to move on because like yeah. he might be trying to he, he does it he reaches this point later in the movie where he's kind of grasping at things to try to remain in life and she's one of them so i, I think there's a lot of valid interpretations of it and yeah. i i I love that about this movie. Those are the things I love about this movie. Oh, well, I kind of, I like Adam's idea that there's like this more to her ambition in within the framework of this hallucination or purgatory, whatever <laughs> it is, where she has like this degree of agency where she's like, no, I'm going to keep this guy. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> do you know what I mean? like, like, yeah, like I, th- I think that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, and also it's, I don't know. I feel like that's the vibe I get from her character. Like she's, she doesn't seem to be like she storms out, but she's kind of the one that's like, "Don't go." Do you know what I mean? Like she. You know. I was going to say because you kind of do see see her working both agendas. There's the agenda to get him to give away everything and move on mm. and go to either oblivion or heaven or wherever he's going. And but yeah, but then at the end, like you say, she does try to stop him from yep. leaving, which theoretically she should that should have been her goal. Great, he's moving yep, on. Yeah. Well. Well, this is one of the things I like about biblical uh, things too. Like a lot of biblical creatures, a lot like it, not, and I might be going apocryphal with this, but like um, mm-hmm. there's angels that like fall in love with human beings and do stuff like that. They really fuck up, uh, in other words, mm-hmm. in very human understandable ways. And I think that maybe there could be something of that in the character too, which is kind of yeah. yeah. Well, and also the whole thing with her trying, like I guess when she throws the photos away and she's doing all that stuff, the question is, is she doing that to? Like you were saying, Adam, 
help him move, like serve the role of helping yeah. him move on? Or is that just her way of further ensnaring him into her her world? Right, like uh, yeah, might be know, because ultimately, uh, Kay, the picture the, Caleb is the thing that kind of gets him to ascend the ladder, right? So, or not Caleb, mm-hmm. Gabriel. I don't. know. I always think his name is Caleb for Gabriel. some reason. Is it um, Gabriel? That's a little yeah. on the nose, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, every, I mean, every character in the I movie think they had. Only ever call him Gabe, so they, they kind yeah, of. They yeah, I didn't think about it, but yeah, it'd have to be Gabriel. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he also says all of his kids have biblical names, right? And then, and then, yeah. you know, there's a scene where she's like, "I'm not into biblical names," and he laughs at her because she's got like, you know, really biblical names. Yeah. So. <laughs> no but, one calls me that. <laughs> I also like her accent. I, I have an Italian aunt who has a very similar accent, and it kind of reminded me about Daniela. I think I she's kind of hope uh, that Daniela wasn't half demon or whatever, but whatever. I she's put it uh, past her. Uh, I think Elizabeth Pena's Cuban. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> and actually, she's dead. She died in 2014, unfortunately. What? Yeah. Oh I, God, yeah. she died young then. Oh. Jesus. She died horrible. of cirrhosis of the liver, uh, which is a really oh, horrible way to die. Worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's grim. So, say something oh, happy. I don't want to end it on that note. That's yeah, actually my grandmother horrible. died of cirrhosis of the liver. It's brutal. Would you cheer <laughs> up, man? That was not the note. I like how I'm like, hey, let's cheer it up. And you're like, my grandmother died. Horrible. This is my gallows humor. I'm sorry. I'm trying. Dear Lord. <laughs> you, 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 you gave me the opening to say it. You know? <laughs> By inviting the opposite. Yeah, no joke we have all learned something very important this evening um anyway i'm exhausted i don't know about you guys i could probably talk about this movie until i died but i think we should probably cut well yeah and then the question is are you really dead at that point you know so don't don't do this to me don't do this to don't lay this on me now put this evil on me davis i'm just i'm just trying to tie it back to the movie i'm not trying to put evil on you (laughs) Damn it, you're doing both. <laughs> so. This movie is like that, though. This movie infects you. Like, it haunts you. Um, and I love that about it. That's one of the reasons I wanted the ending to be a lot more ambiguous. I feel like they were trying to go for symmetry yeah. and conclusiveness, and I wanted neither. <laughs> I wanted yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I tell you how I didn't like the text at the end. I mean, it just it just feels weird to have anything so solid at the well, end of this movie. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's not even matter what it says. It's like whatever. There should be no text here of any kind. Well, but that that text in particular is jarring because it's like, wait a second, this this wasn't even about that actually, right? Like that's the that's the yeah, thing that I makes know. it weird. It wasn't the central yeah. point, and it's yeah. it's a really mealy kind of worded thing. It's like, oh well, some people say that this thing might have happened, and blah blah blah. And it's like, like if it, I, if if they you know if it was a little statement at the end that oh this actually. A, you know, a, cr- a group was really actually dosed with something or but yeah, no it's just this weird group. kind I of think, we're not saying this happened but some people say it might have happened i i think it was um <laughs> when this film came out it was marketed as based on a true story type thing and remember there was a yeah, lot of movies uh, that did that and i feel like that text at the end was the way of yeah giving the credibility to that idea you know yeah, that's like but, the, the bare minimum to for the studio <laughs> Yeah, like it was probably even like like it even seems like it might have been a studio note. Do you know what I mean? Like I have no idea. Yeah, but... it probably was. It does yeah. feel very studio note. Yeah. Um, oh, but I don't know. Now I kind of enjoy it because it is so like 
hey, the movie wasn't even about that. Like, what are you talking about? And it's kind of like the movie's like, the movie, the movie's like, well, he's dead, actually. But is he? Because maybe it was a hallucination from the drug. You know, it's... I would like to think that everything after he ascends that ladder is just a continuance of his hallucination. And he's seeing that with He's seeing that. Like, that that redeems it for me. He's like, wow, I didn't know that. He's just eating popcorn next to you in the theater. And you just go, it's like. A, he, he's oh, you in the mean? theater watching the movie. That's the. Uh... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I love that. That's great. <laughs> That's one of those Borges mind blows. Jacob was you all along. <laughs> What? <laughs> but yeah, I do, I do like the, def- I, I don't know if I would say definitive, but I like the way that it ends where it's sort of just, it, it, it forces you to accept the characters died in a way. Yeah, that, that part I like. Um, uh, only because that I, I remember really resisting that the first time that I watched it like that. It bothered me. It bothered me in a really like this. I don't want this to be the case yeah, type well, thing. Oh, you, you, know, know, you don't want the, to I mean, it, it is just a literal classic occurrence at Owl Creek ending. I mean, that, I remember the first time I read that, just was like, boom, mm. just hits you in the stomach. And you know, Brazil had not that, but a similar note. And it's, just, yeah, it's always just a really well, gut punch way to end a movie. Well, it's like, well, you know what it is too? It's like the tragedy thing. It's, it's sort of any movie where it's like, Every time you watch it now, you do you know how it's going to end, and you don't want it to. And you have some, even though you know it's mm-hmm. going to end the same. There's some part mm-hmm. of you that's like, oh, maybe he's going mm-hmm. to not do this. Maybe it's going, you know. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the other reasons why I enjoy an ending like uh, that, just because it it, it 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 enhances repeat viewings because you, you your brain is tricking itself into thinking the movie might end differently somehow. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, that's always the sign of a good movie yeah. where you just keep. Keep waiting them for the not fuck up during the first <laughs> yeah. act of the movie. Oh god, yeah. maybe they'll save it this time. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not like a surface level thought, but it's just this 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 subconscious no, thought. That, yeah, yeah, you no, have I know, it. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, don't do that. Don't yeah, do that. Like, yeah. I've seen this movie fifty yeah. times. Why am I? Yeah, I know they're yeah. gonna do don't that. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah you need to learn to live in the the hopeless desert beyond hope. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what what did Camus say and, and categorize strange vegetation? I God, <laughs> I, I couldn't get Hemingway in there. I failed, but I did get Borges in there, so I feel pretty yeah. feel pretty good about my eliteness at this point. I'm all be jealous of for that. Thank you, thank you, Adam, my only intellectual equal. Yeah, we we need to uh, we're gonna have to start making Joel the bad guy in the podcast. That's a... <laughs> I like that you think that it isn't my already my role. <laughs> like yeah. the whole audience is like, we know he's the bad guy. We hiss when he talks. <laughs> I don't know. I I I I I I don't think you're the bad guy, but I think I think I think definitely I think, feel. I well, I, I I feel like you 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 we could we could put you into that role with uh with all the uh the Hemingway talk and the uh <laughs> that's why I grew this mustache this is my villainy mustache that's your villainy you mustache you have to wax it to be a villainy mustache you need to get the tips. it used it used to be waxed it looks really um anyway I can't be the other game designer with a huge wax mustache me and Paul Sega have to have different looks so I chose the I chose this look 
Yeah, I think he's the. Is he the only one with the the wax? Currently, the wax? currently. Wait, does the, he still have a wax mustache? I remember him having one several years ago, but I don't. know. Does he still currently have yeah, one? You have to oh, bat, you have to battle him for the right to have a wax it's mustache. It's there can a, be only one designer at a time. See, I'm like, good. I, 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 There's no way in hell I can take Paul Sega in a fight. He would murder me. He would take out his actual battle axe that he owns, and I would die. So no, he can have the mustache. Yeah, I, I have no yeah. interest in wax being on my 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 facial hair that that would bug me out so i'm i'm good <laughs> right yeah uh, all right in this yeah podcast with a text scroll <laughs> saying that we all died of drug overdoses yeah. or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh unfortunately in this medium we cannot do text scrolls we'd have to do a voiceover or something so you know they, yeah. you know some people <laughs> say they all were the pro- <laughs> this podcast was the product of a hallucinogenic experiment by the u.s government um <laughs> the results well, were humiliating and it was immediately we, closed we need to find somebody with the <laughs> deepest boomingest voice to do the voiceover though it's got to be we should get know. tony J to do it from beyond the grave you like <laughs> some people say that this podcast was the result yeah. of human experimentation by the U.S. government. <laughs> the results were so humiliating it was immediately scuttled. So that was actually pretty perfect. Yeah, that was good. That was yeah. good. The only thing, the only thing that was not good about it was just the the you didn't have the equipment to make it work, but the the sound was there. You could definitely, <laughs> if we got you the right mic, it would be exactly how it needs to be. So, all right so we'll end it here and i i i want to just say we should definitely do serpent in the rainbow soon i feel after doing yeah this I, I, i've never seen it so that's oh like you're recommending a very cool movie that's similar to this one so. well i feel like i mean this this one i think goes a lot to serpent in the rainbow wouldn't you say adam don't you think yeah, that's, that's the thing let's do it next I yeah i think it's a good follow-up i uh and especially yeah. if joel hasn't seen it i mean like i, I haven't I, seen it since, i haven't seen it since the 80s too so i really only have the haziest of memories of it so I, I'm, I'm i'm excited to watch it again. i i haven't seen it in a while either but i always felt that that ice scene in the tub was a was a direct callback to serpent in the rainbow uh, you know yeah. you know see what i'm yeah. talking about yeah i think you're right yeah i think you're right yeah so you'll have to be yeah. on the lookout for it y'all when you watch it if you, if you know if it jumps out at I, i'm looking forward to it man that sounds radical and I got to do something to uh, apologize to my girlfriend. So this, okay. this podcast right. is ill-timed. And All so right. I, I think bringing I, a really cool movie might be a good way to, to do that. Anyway, right. I better get going. Okay. Uh, All right. We'll end it here and we will talk to you later.